This week on Countdown to Infinity, we're downsizing our episode because size isn't everything as Scott Lang dons a costume to stop an evil businessman with small man syndrome. This is Countdown to Infinity, and this is Ant-Man. Welcome back to Countdown to Infinity. This week is Ant-Man. Oh, yes. You know, the biggest surprise in the MCU, every, everyone, including us, thought this movie was going to be rubbish. I mean, as well, because Edgar Wright was attached to direct it at first... We were all super excited. Exactly, that was going to be awesome. And then It's like left. the fourth member of the Cornetto trilogy, exactly. so the quadrilogy, but hey, it never happened. But yeah. apparently Edgar Wright had been writing it for years and yeah, years, even yeah. before the MCU existed. It's so. in development around 2004, when you know the Cornetto thing was in its heyday. Um, so he left... And I got a bit worried about Ant-Man. I thought Edgar Wright was the right person to absolutely. To help when you when you're thinking about a character which essentially gets small but still strong, who better do you want tackling that than the man who gave us Shaun of the Dead? Maybe the most realistic zombie movie of all time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a hilarious film. Um, but it got picked up by Peyton Reed, um, and when the trailer came out, I was a bit underwhelmed. Yeah, uh, I didn't dig the trailer either. No, it was just, okay, that's Ant-Man. That's mm. fine, I the, guess. The thing is, again, if you're into Ultimates, yeah, you, you have a big love for Hank Pym. Like, as... as you, you can't not, really. Yeah, even though he is <laughs> the biggest twat ever. He's a bit like, of a dick. Yeah, you have a love least. for him. And so already I was on the back foot when mm. I found out it was Scott Lang. Like, yeah. before anything, I was like, are we even going to get Pym in this fucking movie? I, I, and I know, do you know I what? Know. We fucking did. We did. Right we, from the off. <laughs> yeah, it starts out in the 60s. Um, and they're, they're building S.H.I.E.L.D. They're building the Triskelion. Uh, uh, do you maybe want to talk about films, yet another thing? films after they destroyed <laughs> it. It's beautiful. <laughs> they I, went from destroying it to rebuilding it. It's just like a huge contrast. Do you want to talk about the really bad makeup on uh, uh, Agent Carter? God, it she, seems she to looks, be a running yeah, fucking does. theme, doesn't it? it they've really does. they've de-aged Michael Douglas who looks phenomenal. so fucking perfectly. I mean, you're like, what is going on? You literally do look yeah. like you're out of you know early '80s movies, <laughs> and yet they can't. Uh, they've put like a couple of bits of Tipex. Yeah, like, there's a couple <laughs> in of white Peggy's hair. And Peggy's hair. <laughs> God, I was yeah, I didn't I didn't like that scene. It was okay, but I I liked them bringing back Howard Stern. Yeah, um, and do you know cool. what I really liked about it as well? It alluded to my favourite and what I wanted realistically from uh, uh, an Ant-Man movie before I knew what I got, which was 60s espionage. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. wanted proper... I wanted Doctor No <laughs> with, with, Ant-Man. A, with Ant-Man. I mean, That's I, what I always wanted. When yeah. I envisaged... When I saw the slate go up and they were doing Ant-Man, I was like, I want this. I, I want 60s. Yeah. I want... The name's Pim, Hank Pim. I want <laughs> well, we've talked about it before, haven't we? That we want uh, a, an Ant-Man super spy yeah, film. Yeah, and I still want to see that. I still yeah. want to see that because, let's face it, Michael Douglas as Hank Pym, as young Hank Pym, definitely was a badass. Yeah, uh, so and Janice Dine is a superhero, yeah, like yeah. a this proper, is, you know, proper superhero. Espionage superheroes before superheroes were a real thing, mm. do you know what I mean? Um, and the reason he's such a badass is uh, it's Mitch Carson, funnily enough, who is a villain in the comics, uh, makes a dig about Janet's death. Yeah. Uh, and Hank Pym it, just fully strikes him on the nose. It's brilliant. I, I think one of my favourite scenes from a character I really don't like, it, it comes in this moment where um, uh, he's like, 
he just kicked your ass at full size. What you don't want to piss him off when you can't see him coming. I right. was like, that's so sick. Like yeah. we didn't even have to see him as Ant Man straight away. You're just like boom, boom. But then you get that little tidbit later on when uh, um, that uh, that you're. Uh, Pym Industries, and they mm. see like the surveillance footage, and yeah. it just makes me wet. For that was that was insane. Uh, we are getting a little bit ahead Sorry. of ourselves because we haven't been introduced to Scott Lang yet, and mm. it's uh, another case of Marvel pulling the rug out from underneath you. You think he's getting beaten up because he's a scumbag? No, it's a leaving ritual amongst all his prisoner friends in a prison in San Francisco. As much as we were concerned about uh, Peyton Reed at the beginning, I was tenfold more concerned about Paul Rudd. So was I. Now, I, I love Paul Rudd. In. I literally love Paul Rudd. Uh, Wonderlust. Or, uh, you know, uh, I love I'm you, man. i to fuck you. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, but that's what I thought we were going to get. So I thought dying. we were going to get, like, this slapstick, almost like Jerry Lewis. And I'm like, the, yeah. the character of Ant-Man is goofy. Like, he isn't goofy. It's mm. actually really clever. But the idea of it is... Goofy. Yeah, the Ant-Man concept is goofy. Scott Lang, I think, personally isn't. Um, in the comics no. especially, yeah, he's quite light-hearted. He's not particularly jokey, but because he's looking out for his daughter. It's a Robin Hood-esque scenario with Scott yeah. Lang, and it's always been like that. Him and Cassie's relationship has always very much been, I will do anything for you. Mm. I don't really care what sort of side of the law I'm on. And the way that yeah. they build him up in this movie is very much like that. He was a blue-collar uh, criminal stealing uh, from people who have stolen from the ordinary person. And yeah. I, I like that straight away you're given this, you know, he's not a bad guy. He's just a, a victim of circumstance. And obviously he must be pretty clever. Like, well, he even says himself he's got a master's in electrical engineering uh, and he thinks he's going to be fine. <laughs> Cut to Baskin and Robbins. Baskin and Robbins. They always find out. Exactly. Baskin and Robbins don't play. It wasn't just a bad crime, it was a cool crime. <laughs> that guy, um, I he cracked me up and he's only in it for 30 seconds. He was hilarious. I thought that the choice of humour right from the off really let you know the tone, but it wasn't it wasn't what I thought it was gonna be. It wasn't slapstick at all. It was mm. just clever, quick humour. And I really like that. And the Baskin and Robbins thing, like Baskin and Robbins always find out. Like I just like it made out Baskin and Robbins to be shield. Like yeah. <laughs> but it's the kid coming in and he's like, oh, I'll get a hot dog. And he's like, that's not what we do here. And he's like, cool, I'll get a pretzel. He's like, but it's his deadpanness yeah. that just sells it. It's, it's so good. Uh, but moving on, he gets fired, and he kind of shit, I don't really know what mm. to do and I've got child support to pay and it kind of it's that real world vibe to it I mean, we have a very young Cassie here as well, yes. and obviously later on in life she becomes Stature mm -hmm. who is one of the young Avengers um, who takes on the mantle of technically Ant-Man giant man type thing, but makes it her own thing, but I really do this is something that uh, Marvel do really well, all the time they give you a character that could quite easily eventually become what they are in the comic books. Young Avengers. Yeah, but you don't... It's not false. It might not happen, no. it, but it doesn't matter that it might not happen. I think it will. It, I think they're setting the stage very well, course, very Of course, yeah, but like last time when we were talking about Amadeus Cho, like yeah. it is one of those things that 
we will leave this here. If we decide to use it later down the line, happy days. But you know why we're dropping it here. Like, yeah. they didn't have to call a Cassie. They didn't have to go down that route. They don't use it. There's, there's no skin off their nose, really, is there? Absolutely. So, do you know what I mean? Um, but when they get back to Louise's apartment, we get this brilliant montage. Oh, it's, it's it's so it's well brilliant. filmed. And do you know what? It felt very Edgar Wright. It did. Like it did. very it Edgar chop, Wright. Choppy cuts. Yeah, you know, like when uh, um, it, when you've got Shaun of the Dead or World's End, where you see yeah. like the cup of tea making scenes, yeah, it's or, that. It or that. even like we'll get to the Winchester, wait for this to all blow over. That's what this was, and it, it did it did smack to me that actually I think that was part of Edgar Wright's script because it was adapted yeah. Peyton Reed like adapted what was already there yeah, I mean uh, Edgar Wright still does get credits um, on the film so it's clearly got his DNA in there to a certain extent and especially Joe Cornish which is one of his uh, frequent yeah. collaborators um, there's definitely still strands of them in there and it's, that scene is phenomenal and again Michael Peña was one of the actors I was worried about as well um, alongside Paul Rudd, he's a great actor, but I think I actually I think thought it was going to be too comedy heavy. He is he... one of the biggest drawbacks for me in this. Oh, really? If I'm completely honest, I think he did what I thought Paul Rudd was going to do. Right. Okay. Uh, which was he went in being Michael Pena. Yeah. Like, whereas okay. it didn't. I love that scene, but for the majority of it, like. I think that a lot of his jokes are throwaway and miss. Like um, when he's first picked up and he goes, oh, I lost my girl. I lost my dad. I got the van though. Like it's just like, uh, that, I just that don't. That fall flat. I'll give you that. I don't really like him. I also don't like, and this is how forgettable he is, uh, Russian computer genius's terrible accent as yes, well. Yes, that is David Dismalshian. And he had a much better role in The Dark Knight as one of the Joker's yeah. Uh, minions. Yeah, you know? and I really, really do not like uh, T.I. in this movie. Like I, Oh, T.I.'s forgettable. I don't <laughs> like the team to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, but, and Michael Pena, I wanted to love him because I do love him. I think he's really funny. He's I hilarious. just, I just didn't. It, you get to the point, and I, uh, when I was rewatching this, it, it hit me again, like it did when I saw it the first time. You get to the point where Hank, uh, Hank Pym drives up to Pym Industries, mm. and I felt this doesn't feel like a Marvel movie. This doesn't feel like a. Uh, it feels like I'm watching a cool movie, and that's great. But I do not mm. feel like I'm watching an MCU movie. Now, about the time when uh, um, they start doing um, the 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 scenario, as it were, the MacGuffin that they need, you the know, exposition. Yeah. Well, <laughs> once they start doing that, yeah, I felt. But but up until that point, I really didn't feel very much in that world. And it's you can take that as a, an advantage. You can take that as a disadvantage. Mm. Uh, but that, that like kind of threw me off because at this point, you know, in the MCU, if you're yeah. watching this in chronological order with us, you're waiting for the moments, you're waiting for the connective tissue and stuff mm. like that. And, and I think because we just had Age of Ultron as well, um, which was huge, mm. regardless of your opinions about it, it was a monumental event in MCU history. And, and the they timeline. do reference it in this. Yeah, albeit very briefly, but it is mentioned. And I think everybody was kind of almost going into this holding their breath waiting for another Avenger to show up obviously mm. we'll get to that later on Yeah, but like you say the, uh, it kind of felt like you were waiting for the connective tissue mm. um, but for me just embracing the Ant-Man mythology in itself was quite satisfying in a way that I didn't think I'd enjoy I didn't think we were going to get both and I really like that and I do like the, f the, the fact that they put so much importance on Pym's role not yeah not as just 
being Hank Pym, the original Ant-Man, but what he meant to S.H.I.E.L.D., what he meant to the U.S. Defense Department. Mm. Like, I did like that because he is important. And later on down the line, you've got an actor like Michael Douglas that has such gravitas and can turn it on. Like, he does ham it up at points in this movie, absolutely, but when he turns it on, it's so good. Mm. Like, and it's on it. One of my favorite Michael Douglas scenes if you like isn't even involving Michael Douglas physically um, what happens is uh, Scott Lang breaks into Hank Pym's mansion and he finds what he thinks is a motorbike suit uh, and for some reason he gets back and he puts it on and he's stood in the bath and he starts pressing buttons nothing's happening and then there it is he's tiny and then a voice starts talking to him and it's brilliant because Michael Douglas is just like, well, what are you going to do now? Yeah. You're tiny. You need to figure out the physics of everything. Otherwise, you're going to fuck up. What are you going to do? And it doesn't help him. It's just like, right, think yeah, about this. I really did like that. It was awesome. I, and, and the visuals as well. Uh, him spinning around on the vinyl on the yeah. turntable was great. I mean, that's what this movie surprised us all with. It's the use and advantage of size in different locations. Yeah. And that's what really got us to love this because I'll be honest right from the off it's a throwaway villain it's the exact same you're gonna yeah. fight your alter ego you're gonna fight your ying versus your yang it's the same powers again yeah it's and the usual Marvel trope but the the difference is with this is by giving I mean in in Ant-Man and the Wasp we're getting Ghost which is gonna be a different dynamic I can't massively wait different <laughs> dynamic but what what the advantage, and I can't believe I'm saying this, the advantage of having a character that had the exact same powers as Ant-Man was that use of scale and size. Yeah. They have a fight in a fucking briefcase. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, And yeah. that is like Easter egg laden. But, mm-hmm. you know, they have a fight in a briefcase. They have a fight on a train set. And it's that use of pace and the use of drawing you out of the pace. Almost a the breaking of the fourth wall where they're having this really like the score, 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 they're fighting, it's really and then it comes out and there's no music and it's just like a little toy train like boom boom. Like yeah. it's that sort of thing that made this movie so much more clever yeah. than it had to be to be a pass in the MCU. This movie is the first movie we've had in a very long line that if it was never connected to the MCU, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, you could have been standalone. It could have been standalone. It could, you know, you've got that connective tissue of S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff like that. But if they'd have never met Falcon, obviously we'll get onto that, but Mm -hmm. if they never had gone to Avengers, like, and if Scott Lang had have never appeared in Civil War, it wouldn't have made the slightest bit of difference. And in a world where you're expanding and I always say this about like Star Wars the problem that I'm finding with newer Star Wars movies is they're not expanding the universe they're Mm. actually bringing it all closer together everyone knows someone everyone knows oh I know that person yeah like every standalone movie uh, oh yeah but that's where he met Vader or that's where they met uh, Mm. you know Princess Leia and everything has to tie in yeah and that's what was really good about this movie is you can watch Ant-Man as Ant-Man and that's it yeah you don't really need to have seen any other Marvel movie and that's one of its benefits and I think the tone and humour was perfect for that as well definitely I think there are people out there that really love this movie that probably might not have watched another yeah they might just be an action movie fan comic book movie fan as it is because it's quite standalone I think it's it's a definite benefit 
Um, but I really want to talk about this next part. Go so for it. we meet Hope Van Dyne when Hank Pym goes to Cross Technologies. Um, and we're obviously introduced to the villain, Darren Cross, and uh, he says, you know, he's talking about the Ant-Man legend and Tales to Astonish, which yeah. is a reference to the original comic book he debuted. That was, that was the most shoehorned It, it was, wasn't it? Uh, it's, it was, he, that it's was, like he that, pauses and uh, then says, Tales to Astonish. It's like, the, like when you think about it in the first Avenger, they give him the comic and yeah. that doesn't feel shoehorned in yeah, and then like miss. just a line that no one else would get like yeah oh. but for me um it, it's when we start to learn about hank and hope's relationship mm. um because it all ties into janet van dyne's disappearance when uh, dismantling a soviet nuclear missile um she essentially goes into the quantum realm to stop the missile uh and when this new threat of the yellow jacket which Funnily enough, another Easter egg to Hank Pym's uh, alter egos. Um, Hope wants to do it herself. She wants to stop this, you know, potentially evil plan from taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hank tells her that he's not allowing her to because um, he's de- he's worried about what would happen. Yeah, he doesn't like, want to lose his daughter as well as his. Yeah, and that's that's fine. I understand that. I know you have a major have problem a, with it. I have a huge problem with it, and I fully disagree with it. <laughs> My problem is. Hope Van Dyne should be able to do it herself. She can do everything. She can, and and don't get me wrong. This is where I agree with your sentiment. Mm. Hope uh, Hope could have done it all. Yeah, and she I could think, have. I think she should have. It, the film should have at least showed her trying to. If she failed, if she made a mistake, and that is part of her character development, then fine. The but, reason why that couldn't have happened, because if it, let's say because Hank Pym was never gonna let Hope do it. Yeah. Never going to let her do it. So she would have had to have been the Scott Lang. She would have had to have stolen the, the suit mm. and done it herself. Yeah. yeah. And I th- I think that character would have. She should have. But I think she would have done that. She's very, she's quite spiky, but, but very driven. At that point, she doesn't know everything about that suit. She doesn't know everything. He's drip feeding her. It's like, mm. it, you know, the pin particle. She knows about the pin particle. She doesn't know about the Ant-Man suit. She doesn't... But neither uh, did Scott Lang. No, but the, the whole thing was he was an expendable test. It's like... True. He was an expendable person that had the skills needed in order to get the job done. And that's what... And Pim is honest with him. He's like, look, I I don't need... I, you know, you could die. I don't care. But the reason why I've picked you is, one, because you're fighting for something better than yourself, which Mm -hmm. is your daughter. And two, because you've got the skills that I need to get this done. And and that's what I would say, like... Narratively, it does work, because obviously Scott is is a father. Scott is a father. Hank Pym is a father. There, you know, there is the connection between the two. And and it's not until... I'm sorry, like, it's not until... A father can truly appreciate that his daughter has outgrown his need mm. that he could really pass on that blessing. It's such a big moment, the reveal of the wasp costume. Yeah, I, I know that's why they were doing it, but I just, I think... Uh, that, I just that don't... I can understand it, why you know it mean? wouldn't have happened. Like, there are people out there that, you know, w- your daughter's a stripper and... You're like, oh, you can do that if you want to do. I'd yeah, prefer yeah. it if it was someone else. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. do you know what I mean? But that's kind of like, there's nothing wrong with them going and doing it, but it just wouldn't have been 
acknowledged by Pym. He yeah. would not it, like he's lost his his wife, his one true love, the mother of his daughter, to the quantum realm, and he'll never get her back. There is no way he would even let. I'm I'm more surprised. If you want to talk about narrative plot holes, I'm surprised that she's allowed anywhere near. Pym Industries. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised yeah, yeah, that he yeah. hasn't disowned her and sent her away. Because well, it's not Pym Industries anymore. It's cross Yeah, but do, do you know what I mean? But that in itself, do you know what I mean? Does he not see that as a bastardization of his work? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, if you want to talk about the, the dynamic between Hank and Hope, it is more that he would have gone further to make sure that she was nowhere near the Pym particle. Yeah, but I think because she clearly shows some animosity towards him as well, I, I just feel she'd have gone around his back and done it. Um, I, I understand <laughs> did why... Did she know he still had it, though? That's the real question. Because, oh, yeah, true. I'll give because you Because in order, in order for the story to start, we need the moment, which is an amazing moment, and it's a really good way of showing you how good Scott Lang is at his job <laughs> which is the break in and the subsequent break out and yeah. break in again and the break in yeah. and the break out again and, and then the arrest yeah but that but that's what i re- and that's the thing like it does make it seem like hank pym did not let anyone know that that was there mm. apart from the people he needed to let know so that Scott Lang knew it was there. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> do you see yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, I get it. I just, he's it's, kept it's that, stuff it's from that trope her. Of, um, experienced uh, fighter, thief, whatever, teaches less experienced person who suddenly becomes better than them at it. Do you know what I mean? And she's we've a, seen that a few times. She is a better fighter. Yeah. I, she's, I not, say she's not a better thief. She's just, not a better thief. It's that and they needed someone who was a thief yeah. to get in and get it and in all fairness they needed someone was a thief that Hank didn't care if those laser beams cut up Ooh. that's that's oh, essentially yeah, what true. it is yeah, like. yeah, yeah. but uh, moving on uh, there is the montage of training um, and these are I know it's great. Ant-Man and I know it's comics but we're just throwing this out there now why did uh, like and I do love Anthony it, it yeah. like f- threw yeah. me back to Honey I Shrunk the Kids I loved <laughs> uh, no I loved yeah. it absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. loved it yeah there's no need for the various different and species, it was so pointless. Oh, these ones make a raft. These ones make fuck. Shut the fuck up! Like no, <laughs> like that is bollocks. Yeah, like, I, it's funny. It is a funny scene, but it takes a long time. Do you know what's really weird about this? I, right, <laughs> funny enough, it grinds to a halt. I think. Yeah, and until <laughs> the moment that I sat down and started recording this with you right now. I love this movie, but the more I'm talking about it now, yeah. I'm picking holes in it. And I, there are major ho- holes in it, but that, if nothing else, do take away the fact that that shows how fun this movie is. Is because it's not until that movie ends that you start going, wait a fucking second. Hang on. Why did we have a round? Like, they yeah. can shrink a building. They can shrink a fucking tank to a keyring. Why not shrink a little boat? Yeah. Why, why have these ants make a wait, raft? Yeah, shit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, why yeah, yeah. they can shrink anything? Yeah. What yeah. I don't understand. Like, why not make a boat smaller and go down there? Why not make like little electrical bombs, EMPs, rather than using fire ants? Like, yeah. Like, well, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> fuck. But do you want to talk about the the connective bits to the MCU? yeah absolutely there is a great scene in which this happens and it and it really does show that how what you would think on the off of being a crap power is actually an incredible power like mm-hmm. and still I'm still after the question like 
if Scott Lang gets really small and crawls inside Thanos' ear and, and grows big again, he will explode his head. Yeah. And I, no one's explained to me why that's not going to be the first thing that anyone why, does. Why can't that happen? And he's not even in the trailer, so... Well, he might be. <laughs> yeah, <who laughs> we just it? can't see him. Do you reckon, that, do you reckon that, uh, Marvel Studios treat uh, Ant-Man like Where's Waldo? Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> like, where's Scott Lang? Where's Langdo? <laughs> Sorry, off topic completely, but on the new poster for Infinity War, everyone's going nuts over the fact that you can see uh, Sebastian Stan's arm through the uh, metal arm there's a chink missing and you can see the wrist it's proper funny look it up (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's so good Um, however we get to um, they think it's uh, abandoned Stark building and they need this tech in there it's it's a MacGuffin. The, it's a MacGuffin. It's a, it's a plot device used to go, ha-ha, we're in the same world. So they um, it drops down, and instantly we see it's actually the new Avengers headquarters that is the connective tissue from Age of Ultron because they've moved it after yep. the destruction of, well, well, semi-destruction of Avengers Tower. It's not exactly a secure location, was it? You know no. I mean? And then we get what can only be described as a way of making you hate Falcon. <laughs> Yeah, for the next seven minutes it's because really annoying. he's really shit. Yeah, like and to say that he wasn't shit in Winter Soldier, he was a badass. Like he a was a total badass. badass. And in the next movie we're gonna get, he is an even more badass. Yeah. Like he's so sick, and the more tech he gets, he gets even more. He is fucking terrible in this movie. It's awful. And you're like, you are a third-rate hero. But it's funny because he's terrible. Yeah. And it's obviously meant to imply that Scott Lang is good at what he's doing and that's fine but it doesn't make Scott look any bigger Uh, well well, no pun intended it doesn't make Scott look any better all it does is it makes Falcon look really bad and you're like oh my god you're only here because you're Captain America's new best friend bitch (laughs) yeah but but essentially it's it's quite a cool interaction and stuff like that the thing I loved the most about it funnily enough was seeing his new costume Mm, Um, no absolutely I I, I did I kind of expected to see maybe Vision or Scarlet Witch as well because yeah and I think that that would have been I mean uh, that they do that whole like oh no it's it's only like this because he uh, he's on patrol everyone else is out and you just like oh well, where are God. they then? yeah where <laughs> what are they, what are they doing well, we if know they're that, on, if they're on a mission what are they doing yeah. what mission is that what mission is that that didn't need you're part of the new Avengers so how come they only need Scarlet Witch and Vision and they don't need you Falcon oh wait because it's reiterating that you're fucking terrible you're a security guard do you know what I mean you are the Avengers security dog like Paul Blart Falcon yeah he he is he is Paul Blart if he turns up on a Segway oh my god could you imagine that'd be amazing (laughs) but anyway they eventually get hold of this tech and they mount their you know attempt at stopping the yellow jacket technology Mm. being sold to what we learn is Hydra still very much alive and kicking even after being exposed Um, again slight connective tissue it, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, it's um, Hydra, it's in your face. They're still there. The thing is, as I said a couple of episodes ago, Hydra is the realest, the realest threat 
to the yeah. world that we've created in the MCU. Wait, you're saying that the Ten Rings aren't? Because they're no, there. no, yeah, no, they're there as well. But if you remember, <laughs> if we're gonna get back to what I've said, I personally think that the Ten Rings should be a Taliban-esque organization mm -hmm. that is basically just a radicalization of the Hydra movement. And I've said that in previous episodes. I do think that is a really good way of doing it. And also what I did like about seeing the Ten Rings tattoo was it erases any issues of, well, the Mandarins was rubbish and the Ten Rings aren't real. I don't want to see a Mandarin character with 10 power rings because we're doing the Infinity uh, Stones and, and it's... Uh, yeah, it's very similar. Yeah. yeah, and it's also very similar to like a rubbish Green Lantern. So a racist Green Lantern with 10 rings, yeah. like that's essentially what the Mandarin is. But what I want to see, and I really, really I'm hope... I'm going to have to interrupt you, Dav, because we just reached a monumental moment in a really backwards way. You were sort of nice about the DC Universe for a brief second there. That was <laughs> quite nice. I appreciated that. Well, because I think that the Green Lantern is better than the Mandarin. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not much, but it's better than nothing. I'm going to run with it. Okay. Carry on. But I do want to see... Do you know what? And I'm throwing this out there now. I want to see the Ten Rings as the main focus of uh, the Black Widow movie. Yeah, I'm down. I want to see yeah. terrorist organisation. Uh, uh, I want to see Black Widow as counter-terrorism going against Ten Rings. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, you know, that. moving forward, it is more little connective tissue. But again, you don't really need it to be, but it's nice. And mm. that's what is really mm. good about this movie. When you need those little tidbits you get them. When you get to the post credit scene in this movie, that's where all fucking shit hits the fan <laughs> and you lose your mind and yeah. you realise, oh, we're very much seeing a Marvel yeah. movie. But we'll get to that very yeah. soon. The fight breaks out between Yellow Jacket and Ant-Man. Um, there is kind of a cool moment where Ant-Man gets stuck in the case yeah. that the Yellow Jacket's in. Um, and Darren Cross is like tapping on the glass, mm. which I thought was quite funny. It's like reverse ant hill type. Do you mm. know what I mean the the ant bully, if you'd like. Yeah, no. Um, I did like that, but then once he you know dons the suit and the fight breaks out between them both, uh, like you said, we get back to the briefcase fight. Um, mm. There is a really cool moment, um, and I just like this as a Cure fan. Um, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to disintegrate you! And then, Played disintegration <laughs> by, by the Cure. I was like, this is amazing. I thought that was great. <laughs> what The other thing I really like as well is the redesign of both costumes. Because Ant-Man's costume looks fucking rad. Yeah. It's something that you would... How do you go from having what looks like a fishbowl on your head <laughs> with piping round to a costume that legitimately, if, like, if you owned that helmet, you'd be like, that's gnarly. Yeah. And even more so, Yellow Jacket... Yellow Jacket looks like a badass. Yeah, Yellow Jacket looks like he could take on Iron Man. Yeah, that's I mean, how badass yeah. he looks. And Definitely underrated. You, you know, take away from the fact that, you know, they're the same powers and stuff like that. Yeah. Yellow Jacket looks fucking rad. Mm. And... I think it wouldn't have been so bad if they've had the same powers if you didn't get the ending you got, which yeah. was so like, ha, 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 he's gone. Ha. And it's like, come on. Like, yeah. he's a badass. Like, I want to see fucking he was quite unhinged, Yellow Jacket, Baron Zemo, Ooh. Red Skull, Ooh. like fucking all of them team up. Let's get like a Thunderbolts-esque situation mm -hmm. going. What if? They were all scrolls, and the real versions come back in uh, Avengers Four. Just, oh just saying. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, secret <laughs> invasion. Um, <laughs> but the fight continues. Um, the, they sort of use the uh, the little devices that 
shrink and then big and things. Yeah, I mean, that's what is so good yeah, about this Yeah, the Thomas the Tank Engine flying through the house. It's a standout moment. And also, uh, backing that up with the giant ant at the end yes. coming down the stairs. Yeah, it's that's fantastic. Cool. It had a terrible ending. Like, I can't say enough how much yeah. I dislike the ending. But before we get to the ending, we've missed a very vital part. Go for where it. Where Scott Lang delves yeah, into the no. quantum realm. And this is why... Uh, the reason why I brought up the ending was because of this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is... As a massive, I'm not gonna uh, like Hank Pym's a really important member of the Avengers. That's fine. Yeah, we mm. know that. If you read yeah. comics, you know that. Doctor Strange is one of my favorite comics of all time. Yeah, like okay. it's incredible from artwork, which is what got me into comics. As I'm sure ninety percent of comic book fans is the artwork is beautiful. I like, agree. and Doctor Strange is the one it's if like you, nothing else yeah it's, it's like trippy. it's like if you don't take drugs and you want to know what it's like to take drugs read early doctor <laughs> strange it's fucking insane like jack kirby was clearly on some drugs oh yeah man yeah absolutely <laughs> you read new gods bloody hell he was he was on another planet um but we'd enter the quantum realm yeah and the connectivity and what they didn't play with as much in doctor strange as they wanted them to was the fact that Realms are different from mm. worlds, and that's what we're getting into here. This is what's awesome. And the idea of quantum physics and quantum realms is that if you exponentially can shrink, then that means that technically on the the surface of a nucleus, like the smallest thing or an electron, mm. the smallest thing that we can physically imagine as human beings, you could have a planet on there yeah. that sustains the same amount of life as what we have on this earth yeah and if that's the case and that means there are infinite multiple realities happening at any one time in any given situation and that's what this alludes to it gets so scientifically deep mm. and it teaches you about string theory it teaches <laughs> you about quantum science it teaches you about all of those things that do you know what that's one of the greatest things about comics is you come out of reading certain comics with understanding of hmm. stuff that you would have never learned about before there is no way i would have known anything about string theory if it wasn't for doctor strange yeah like there isn't yeah. uh and the science behind some of these things is amazing and what it does he delves into a quantum realm and there is a moment in this that still no matter what i read i can't confirm but there is a minute that i swear you see something that is janet van dyne I mean, it's kind of like, you know, confirmed, unconfirmed. Yeah, and theory. Like, but no what like no. it's They're one of those it's one it. of those no. like things that, you know, when you see things like this in a movie and you're like, Oh my god, did I just see what I just saw? Mm. That if you think that, there are fifty two YouTube videos oh. up that are like, This is exactly where it is. If you look here, you can see it's, you it's cannot the same with like Thor being in the Hulk in the yeah. background of it, or uh, Cap Shield in a Or Spider Man being in the Incredible Hulk. Exactly. Yeah, but you will struggle to find anyone that talks about this, mm. but there are there is a moment and you uh, watch it again where it's like the the world is melding and it's very uh it's very trippy it's very trippy and it's very doctor strange Not like really. after you see doctor They're strange so teasing yeah it, you know uh that i honestly do believe you see a refraction of janet van dyne in one of the crystals yeah uh, and you okay. see the wasp costume okay. like almost ref uh, reflected off of one of the crystals yeah. that he's flying through they could just play it off as well it was ant-man yeah, you know I mean, because it's the same it's similar, similar because that's, suit, that's you know what I mean? it is. It looks like it's Ant Man's suit, but it it's got the different helmet. Yeah, it's like and, a point point bit. Yeah, and I 
I if it does turn out that later on in Ant-Man and the Wasp or Ant-Man 3, we get Janet Van Dyne there and we had to delve into the quantum realm. Well, um, I'm going to... Gonna make your dreams come true, Dad. We're getting, we're getting Janet Van Dyne. No, I know, but we're getting, we're, we're getting, <laughs> we're getting flashbacks. We've not been confirmed uh, that we're gonna go into the quantum I'd, realm I'd and save very, her. I'd be very surprised if they didn't. I mean, you've, but, they've cast Michelle Pfeiffer. Do you know what I mean? They're not gonna use her for a simple flashback. No, but as we've said, if they're going back to like, they're gonna dedicate a portion of this to that flashback yeah. of the yeah. the super spy. What I really want to see, and this is what I just don't think we're gonna get because of the tone is I want to see Ant-Man and the Wasp after that movie go in an Inception-style direction. Okay, you've I, sold me. I want... I would like to buy your movie, good sir. Yeah, like, I'm all for <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp being this fun, epic romp, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. through different sides and stuff like that. But after that, I want my MCU to go in an Inception style. The lower we get, the harder it is to navigate where you are, getting so small that you actually end up back big... Like, do you know what I mean? That sort of like trippy wormhole. Yeah. I want to explore that. I want to explore different worlds on this table. Like, that's what. Do you know what I mean? I yeah, want to yeah. get that deep. I want to see different species and different things. I want. I want Ant Man to fucking go and grab, uh, like you know, one of those weird like microbe water oh. bear things yeah and grab it and make that big so there's a monster that's taking Le- over like no but can you imagine yeah, how gnarly cool. that yeah, would be cool. like an amoeba like yeah. not like at the end of like evolution but like an amoeba like taking on something that would be so sick i know i've got off point but i'm happy for the second one to follow in the first one's footsteps yeah. but after that please don't waste it yeah please don't waste what you've got here because Doctor Strange can go there a little bit, but Ant-Man can really delve into stuff that is deep and, and still be fun. fun. Yeah, they yeah. can have a lot of fun It would feel it. like Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yeah? But, okay. Yeah, it makes Deep fan, Space but... Nine... No, not Deep Space Nine, Voyager. Take, okay, Take right. Voyager, yeah. lost in time and space, yeah. and take Inception and mix those two elements together. With the dash so you, of Doctor Strange. So you can have <laughs> years and years taking place... Series... Oh, imagine, imagine, imagine. You know I mean? Each be- episode is a different. Imagine like, Paul nucleus. Rudd. Yeah, but Paul Rudd would be great for that because yeah. he does do TV as yeah, well. Yeah. And can you imagine he's doing? Got, a- he's got a working relationship with Netflix. Oh, can you imagine <laughs> an uh, an Ant Man series in which it would we be so much fun going through time and space? Oh, mighty Bush. No, uh, going, <laughs> going through time and space and visiting these different to the uh, world of Ant Man. <laughs> And the mighty bush, <laughs> but uh, I just, I just yeah. would love to see that because I mean, that awesome. it's a concept that you get in the comics, and I just don't want that wasted. But you we, know, we need to talk about our man Stanley because it's right at the end of the film. Yeah, um, Louise throws back to the uh, moment of the star with the montage of various different people, and again, very Edgar Wright to repeat a joke exactly, um, and snapping back, and very Edgar Wright to pull the rug out again. Mm. Um, and Stanley makes a quick cameo as a bartender, <laughs> calling somebody stupid fine. Oh. <laughs> Ew. Oh. Ew. <laughs> it's a bit gross. But it's kind of funny because it's Stanley. We also get another little tease to Spider-Man. 
Yeah. Yeah, somebody's like, oh, we've got a guy that crawls up walls. Kevin Feige has said that they tried to keep that it. as generic as possible. Yeah. But he, but if you listen to all three that he says he got, with, they got a guy that can swing. Yeah. I got a guy that can climb up walls. And you got a guy that's got super strength. Yeah. yeah. They're all the same person. Yeah. In Spider-Man. Um, I did read a thing that was basic, like, before they got the rights to Spider-Man to do. And I don't know how true this is. So... Yeah. I know Kevin Feige doesn't listen, but Kevin, ring me. Kevin. Let me know. Kevin. Um, apparently, and I really want this to be true because we know where my head's going with this, yeah. Before they got the rights to Peter Parker, Sony had apparently given the rights to Miles Morales, like back. Like they'd been working out a yeah. deal. And actually that scene there wasn't referring to Peter Parker Spider-Man it was actually uh, referring to Miles Morales I mean well they've got their animated movie coming so can you imagine if Civil War like just throwing this out there just throwing this out there if Civil War wasn't Peter Parker and they introduced Miles Morales in that moment where he flips over Cap and pulls his shield, I would have died. I would have actually loved... You'd just you see that what? black and even red if, costume. Even if they'd done... No, do you know what would have been better? If they did the normal costume and then pulled it off and it's like, you know... Yeah, that would have been... Do you know what I mean? Like, you just pulled so it up at one point dope. and you're like, wait, what? Huh? What? So dope. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But... But that's, we got what we get. What we given? Yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think we, I legitimately more than ever do believe we're going to see a Miles Morales live down. action uh, adaption in the MCU. But let's talk about post credits because the, there's, yep. there's two. There's two. Uh, first, we see Hope Van Dyne looking at the Wasp costume, which, which was, I was pretty we, pleased with. We needed it affirmed. Absolutely, and it really cool. I, no, can't, I can't wait to see Boob Armor though. Boob Armor is daft. It looks like a giant <laughs> penis. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's the helmet that I like. The helmet is awesome. What, you like the helmet on the penis? No. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. You're a dick. Um, <laughs> but the second... Yeah, oh this boy. is where this is where it's like, holy shit, we just had this really fun... What the fuck is happening? <laughs> What's going on? So we, we basically get a scene which gets called up again, mm-hmm. like the very next movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... It's they're trying to work out if Bucky's still brainwashed. They've got his arm in a fucking vice. Badass. Yeah, a fucking vice. But if his arm was made of vibranium, couldn't he just? It's it's a vice. He could have easily just, just flexed his muscles. Anyway, not the point. Not the point. But and and this is the part where they do, you know, reference Sokovia Accords. Yeah, yeah. He says he's, he says they can't contact Tony Stark because of the Accords. Yeah. So little nod. But uh, it's like the oh yeah, your mother's name was Sarah. You used to wear uh, paper in your shoes. Uh, your your mum's name is Martha, and my name's Martha. Fuck off, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Martha. Jesus Christ. Martha. Martha. Why are you saying my mother's name? <laughs> I'm not I'm saying my mum's name. Did we just become best friends? Oh god, they, I hate that movie. Right. I watched it again. What, Batman v Superman? Yeah. I've not watched it in about a year. Play the half. Batman versus Superman drinking game where you drink we every time you wish it was a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what we should do? Next episode should be <laughs> me and you get pissed watching Batman v Superman. If you guys uh, who listen would like me and uh, Eamon to do a drunken commentary 
on Batman versus Superman or Justice League or Justice League you tell us which one do you want to see we're going to put a poll up on the Heroes Direct Twitter yeah, yeah? yeah. and it's going to be which one do you want to see a drunken commentary of if you want to see uh, Batman versus Superman or if you want to see Justice League I hate both so it will be fine <laughs> let us know but Eamon rate this one out of 10 um, going to go 7.5 okay fair um, it's funny it's a fun movie um, it didn't have as much depth uh, even though it had literal depth Oh, hey. uh, <laughs> uh, it wasn't as fourth dimension depth. Well, as I said, I was disappointed with the treatment of Hope. Um, I felt she deserved better. I know why they were doing You're it. You're wrong, but I'm not wrong. You it's are my, wrong. I'm entitled to my opinion. Yeah, but it's a wrong opinion. I don't care. It's my opinion. <laughs> um, it's fun. Scott Lang's a good laugh. Uh, Louise is a good laugh. Michael Douglas is underrated I think in that film mm-hmm. um, it's good the Thomas the Tank Engine bit for me is the standout <laughs> uh, I'm giving it 7 and a half. I'm going to give it a 7 cool uh, for the reason I thought I was going in to see Thor the Dark World if I'm completely <laughs> honest from the off I thought I was going in to oh, watch an God. absolute fucking shitter yeah. um, I knew I was going to watch it anyway uh, but I went in and I was shocked and surprised and it's really fun and it's really different. It's a good laugh. It's getting a 7 out of 10. It's, it surprised me. It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And now I think it's become one of those movies that I actually go to for fun. So, yeah, it's easy watching. Yeah, um, I, and it's not one that I would necessarily be like, oh, you've got to see this if you want to see But it's one that if I want to put on a movie and just chill out to... Ant-Man is usually my go-to yeah. because However, I'm too emotionally involved in, in in Doctor Strange or Civil War or Homecoming. Well, you've said so. it now because the next one we're going to be talking about next episode is Captain America Civil War. And spoiler alert, it's really fucking good. Oh, fuck, man, honestly. Uh, so tune in for that. Thank you for listening. This has been Countdown to Infinity. You can reach us at Heroes Direct. You can tweet down. At Swearbox DJ. Tweet me at Aaron <laughs> Jacobs. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next episode.